This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you could have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. At Amica Insurance, we know it's more than just a car or a house. It's the four wheels that get you where you're going and the four walls that welcome you home. When you combine auto and home insurance with Amica, we'll help protect it all. And the more you cover the more you can save. Amica. Empathy is our best policy. What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Tonight, the hopeful news that there could be millions of vaccines by Christmas. The new timeline for when shots will be available for healthcare workers and the rest of the country. The breaking news, Moderna requests emergency use authorization for its coronavirus vaccine as the U.S. prepares for a dark winter. With records breaking nationwide, Los Angeles County imposes the country's strictest stay-at-home order. No meeting up with anyone who doesn't live with you. But in Houston, an enormous party. And in New York, the governor pleads with retired doctors to work in COVID wards. Plus, we go inside vaccine distribution, cargo planes, and subarctic freezers. President Trump continues blasting the election, even as more states certify their results. Could his attacks on Republicans cost the party in two key Senate runoffs in Georgia? The Biden team takes shape. The president-elect makes history by nominating the first woman for Treasury Secretary and an all-female communications team. New details tonight on how the country's top nuclear scientist was killed, including reports of a remote-controlled machine gun. And we're on the ground in Iraq. Could a troop withdrawal lead to ISIS regrouping in the region? A record Cyber Monday. How the pandemic is changing the way we shop for the holidays to the tune of nearly $13 billion. Fiery crash, the driver who walked away with only minor injuries. And a trailblazer who plays like a girl. How Sarah Fuller kicked her way into history. This is the CBS Evening News with Nora O'Donnell. Reporting from the nation's capital. 
Good evening and thank you for joining us. We are going to begin with breaking news on just how soon Americans may be able to get a vaccine for the deadly coronavirus. Tonight, the drug maker Moderna says it has applied for emergency approval from the FDA for its vaccine, making it just the second company after Pfizer to ask for emergency authorization. The company says it's on track to have 20 million doses ready by the end of December. The Army general in charge of distributing the shots in the U.S. says that by June, 100 percent of Americans who want to be vaccinated will be. And the HHS secretary, Alex Azar, tells CBS News that many seniors in nursing homes, along with frontline workers, will have already gotten their shots before the end of this year. But it's what happens before then that has public health officials sounding alarms tonight. Dr. Anthony Fauci, the nation's top infectious disease expert, says the country is now facing a surge on top of a surge. The virus is now spreading so fast, four million Americans were infected this month alone. Now, that's one third of the 13 and a half million cases here in the U.S. since the pandemic began. In fact, things are so dire that right now hospitals nationwide are treating nearly 100,000 COVID patients. That is another new record. So we have a lot of new reporting for you and your family tonight. And our team of correspondents is covering it all. CBS's Jonathan Vigliotti is going to lead us off tonight from Los Angeles. Good evening, John. Good evening, Nora, and take a look at this line behind me here at Dodger Stadium. It snakes around for miles. We're told 13,000 people have signed up for testing here today alone. America's top health officials say if you travel for the holiday, you should assume you have COVID and act accordingly. Meanwhile, a breakthrough in the race for a vaccine. The race for a vaccine nearing the finish line with two companies neck and neck. Tonight, Moderna reporting their vaccine is more than 94% effective. If approved, Moderna's vaccine, along with Pfizer's, could be given to as many as 20 million people within weeks. We could be seeing both of these vaccines out uh, and getting uh, into people's arms uh, before Christmas. Still not soon enough as the nation faces a surge in COVID hospitalizations, now more than 93,000 nationwide. In the new battlefield, hospital capacity is the top concern, period. New York's governor with a dire warning, pleading for doctors and nurses to come out of retirement, saying New York needs to increase bed capacity by 50 percent. Rhode Island's hospitals now completely full. Out west, Los Angeles County closing playgrounds, limiting how many can shop at one time and telling residents they can't meet up with anyone who doesn't live with them, even outdoors. In Northern California, Santa Clara County banning all contact sports for at least three weeks, meaning the San Francisco 49ers will play home games in Arizona. Another NFL team, the Denver Broncos, had all four quarterbacks declared ineligible for violating COVID protocols. The replacement quarterback in Sunday's game completed three passes, two to the other team. The New Orleans Saints fined half a million dollars for this maskless celebration. In Florida, schools will remain open despite concerns from teachers. The state's governor not mincing words. People who advocate closing schools for virus mitigation uh, are effectively today's flat earthers. There are also new warnings after millions ignored pleas to stay home and avoid gatherings, like this Houston party drawing hundreds. As bad as this looks, the crowd did not violate the city's COVID guidelines. Another Houston image, this doctor, who has worked over 250 straight days, comforting a patient in tears. 
And Southern California today mourning the death of a religious leader from COVID. Pastor Gregory Bundy was 65 years old. He loved his family. He loved his church. And he just, he was, um, he was an awesome man. And California's governor tonight warning of drastic new measures in the coming days. Nationwide, one study shows nearly 200,000 more Americans could die from COVID by March. Nora. Hmm. Jonathan Vigliotti, thank you. Tonight, we're getting an inside look into how the vaccines will be distributed. United Airlines is already using chartered flights to fly Pfizer shots from overseas ahead of FDA approval. CBS's Chris Van Cleve has more on the mass air shipment of a COVID vaccine. Some 40 million doses of coronavirus vaccine are already being produced. As soon as the FDA approves, they'll start shipping. This is going to be one of the, the most challenging public health distribution efforts we've seen. Complicating the effort, the Pfizer vaccine must be kept at negative 94 degrees and is shipped in batches of about 1,000 doses, packed in specialized containers cooled by dry ice. Every box will have a monitor that goes with it, so we'll be able to monitor not only the temperature, but where the shipments are going. DHL will handle some international shipments of vaccine, moving them from the factory to an airport under guard. No one wants to fail. Everybody knows that this vaccine uh, is a basically a source of life. DHL showed us its operation at Miami's airport, where vaccine shipments will temporarily be stored in freezers and topped off with dry ice before being loaded onto planes and sent to South America. Upon landing, those vaccines will be put on trucks and delivered. U.S. airlines will also play a key role. United flew its first shipment of Pfizer's vaccine last week. Moderna's vaccine will be easier to move as it doesn't need to be stored at such a low temperature. This is essentially a giant refrigerator, and it's where United would put something that needs to be kept cool until it gets picked up by another shipper. This, all pharmaceuticals here, waiting for delivery. Companies like FedEx will be part of the effort to quickly get the vials from central shipping hubs out to cities and states. It's going to be hard to... Uh to imagine this going off without a hitch, that there likely are unanticipated issues that are going to arise when you're shipping that many vaccine doses all around the country. And Chris joins us now. So, Chris, do we have a sense of who will get the vaccines first? Well, Nora, the CDC is set to vote tomorrow on guidelines that will spell out just that, who gets the shot first. We expect the Pfizer vaccine will be sent to hospitals and large clinics initially because they have the infrastructure to keep it super cool and can handle the mass distribution of those nearly 1,000 doses per box. From there, as it becomes more prevalent, look for it to show up in major pharmacies like CVS and Walgreens as the major push to vaccinate everybody. And those cold boxes that will carry the vaccine, well, those have to be picked up as soon as they're emptied and rushed back to Pfizer so more vaccine can go out. Nora? So many moving parts involved. Chris Van Cleve tonight, thank you. Tonight, President Trump is launching more false charges of ballot fraud in states where he lost. But now some in his party worry the president's attacks could cost them votes in Georgia, where two runoffs will decide which party controls the U.S. Senate. Here's CBS's Paula Reed. President Trump continued his assault on the 2020 vote today. And even as he claimed total election corruption in Arizona, all 15 counties have certified their results. The state's Republican governor was certifying Biden's victory. 
And with the Trump campaign recount in Wisconsin failing to reverse Biden's win in the state, the president looked to Georgia, where he called on the Republican governor, Brian Kemp, to overrule the secretary of state, Brad Raffensperger, another Republican, and help him win the state. The truth matters. Raffensperger disputed the president's claim of voter fraud in the state and said today that third-party groups are continuing to spread false information. There are those who are exploiting the emotions of many Trump supporters with fantastic claims, half-truths, misinformation, and frankly, they are misleading the president as well, apparently. The president's repeated claims that the vote in Georgia was rigged is worrying Republican leaders ahead of the two key Senate runoffs in January. I just wish Trump would stop, quite frankly. GOP fundraiser Dan Eberhardt said Mr. Trump's rhetoric could lower Republican turnout and cost them the Senate. Acting like a sore loser is just plain not helpful. Christopher Krebs, the former top cybersecurity official Mr. Trump fired earlier this month, told 60 Minutes the president's voter fraud claims have no merit. The proof is in the ballots. The recounts are consistent with the initial count. And to me, that's further evidence, that's confirmation that the systems used in the 2020 election performed as expected, and the American people should have 100 percent confidence in their vote. That recount in Wisconsin cost the Trump campaign nearly $3 million, but it resulted in an additional 74 votes for President-elect Joe Biden. President Trump says he'll file another lawsuit in Wisconsin by tomorrow. Nora. That is not a good return on that investment. Paula Reid, thank you. Tonight, President-elect Biden has gotten his first classified presidential daily briefing. At the same time, he's taking a sledgehammer to Washington's glass ceiling, nominating women to lead the Treasury Department and White House Budget Office. He's also choosing an all-female White House press staff of seven that includes six mothers of young children. CBS's Ed O'Keefe is covering the transition. As his presidential transition rolls on, Joe Biden himself suffered a physical setback this weekend after slipping while playing with his German shepherd, named Major. His doctor said the 78-year-old has hairline fractures in the middle of his right foot and will likely require a walking boot for several weeks. Because it's national security. That didn't stop the president-elect from receiving his first top-level intelligence briefing since Election Day, previously blocked by President Trump. And Mr. Biden's staffing announcements today again included historic firsts, an all-female communications team. So I'm just excited to come out here and chat with all of you. With the most visible okay, being former State Department spokeswoman Jen Psaki set to serve as press secretary. Janet Yellen will be the first woman nominated to be Treasury Secretary. And Neera Tandon is set to be White House Budget Director, the first woman of color to be nominated for the role. But some Republicans claim Tandon has been too critical of the president and several GOP lawmakers on Twitter, giving her little chance of being confirmed. John Corden of Texas telling reporters this afternoon. I just think she's... She's going to be uh, radioactive. Honestly, the hypocrisy is astounding. If Republicans are concerned about criticism on Twitter, their complaints are better directed at President Trump, who has made a hobby out of denigrating Republican senators on Twitter. There is still a vacancy at the Pentagon, and CBS News has learned there are three contenders for defense secretary. Former Obama-era defense official Michelle Flournoy, retired Army General Lloyd Austin, and former Homeland Security Secretary... Jay Johnson. While there will be Republican opposition to some of Mr. Biden's nominees, there's a key factor with potential confirmation fights. Which party controls the U.S. Senate? And we won't know that until after those runoff elections in Georgia in early January. Nora. 
Ed O'Keefe in Wilmington, Delaware tonight. Thank you, Ed. COVID has forced more holiday shoppers to look for deals online this year. And today for Cyber Monday, analysts are expecting record sales of up to $12.7 billion. That's a lot. And that would be a 35 percent jump from last year. Internet shoppers made $9 billion in purchases just on Black Friday. All right, tonight we are getting a good look at some of the overseas challenges that Joe Biden will face when he takes office. In the Middle East, Iran's leaders are seething over the assassination of the country's top nuclear scientist, and ISIS may be planning a comeback. CBS's Holly Williams reports tonight from Erbil in northern Iraq. The alleged mastermind of Iran's nuclear weapons program, Mohsen Fakhrizadeh, was buried with full military honors today. He was ambushed with a remote-controlled machine gun mounted on a car that later blew up, according to Iranian media reports. Iran's president blamed Israel for the killing on Saturday and vowed retribution in due time. It's just one of the problems that President-elect Biden will inherit in this unstable part of the world. This month, the Pentagon announced that U.S. troops in Iraq would be cut by 500 just before Biden takes office, a move critics say could give a boost to militia groups backed by Iran that have fired scores of rockets at U.S. targets this year alone. At this command centre for airstrikes in Baghdad, a place the U.S. military calls the shark tank, General Ryan Rideout told us that constant surveillance is also needed to stop ISIS from regrouping. If you stop, stop patrolling, stop going out, it, you potentially could have it come back. It's thought that thousands of the extremists are still at large. In neighbouring Syria, we went on patrol with the 82nd Airborne Division. They're working to stop ISIS regaining control of lucrative oil facilities like this one. If we're not able to move around, that means ISIS can. That means ISIS is getting in with the population and they're influencing them. But after President Trump opened the door to an incursion by Turkey into Syria last year, some people in Syria told us off camera they're now finding it harder to trust the U.S. Nora. Holly Williams in our bill tonight. Thank you. Violent storms hit the East Coast today. Several people had to be rescued from flooded roads in Baltimore. In New York City, officials closed the Veranzano Bridge due to high winds and heavy rain. Parts of Ohio could get between half a foot and a foot and a half of snow by Wednesday. Also tonight, a Formula One race car driver is recovering from a horrific crash. Roman Grosjean's car hit a barrier at 137 miles per hour, broke in two, and burst into flames. He was trapped for nearly 30 seconds before he managed to climb out, and he thanked his racing team today. I wanted to thank you from the bottom of my heart for the effort, the work, the initiative, everything you did yesterday. You helped me get out of that uh, big fire and uh, keep me alive. Grosjean suffered burns on his hands. He credits a titanium head brace called a halo with saving his life. Here's another remarkable story. A man missing in the Atlantic was found Sunday 86 miles off the Florida coast. Stuart B. was alive and clinging to the bow of his mostly submerged boat when he was rescued by the crew of a passing freighter. Tonight, the Coast Guard says the odds of finding him were 100 million to one. Wow. Today, the SEC named Sarah Fuller one of its special teams players of the week. She made history Saturday as the first woman to play in a major college football game. We get more now from CBS's Janet Shamlian. 
Sarah Fuller is about to put her right foot into a football, speaking volumes to women around the world. The kick went 30 yards. Its impact, immeasurable. What a day in college football. Vanderbilt's Sarah Fuller becoming the first woman in college football history to play in an elite Power 5 game, recruited from the women's soccer team, which she led just last week to a national championship. I was just really calm. Uh, the SEC championship was more stressful, <laughs> if I'm going to be honest. Um, but I was, I was really excited to step out on the field and do my thing. Fuller's second half kickoff inspiring a new generation. Oh, a girl's playing football, I told you. This girl telling her dad she'd like to try. <laughs> Fuller never got the chance at a field goal. Vanderbilt was scoreless against Missouri. It didn't matter. History had been made. I just want to tell like all the girls out there that you can do anything you set your mind to. Like you really can. One kick, ricocheting through the sports world and beyond. Janet Shamley and CBS News, Houston. Watched with my kids. On tomorrow's CBS Evening News, the latest on the COVID vaccines as the CDC meets to decide who will get the first shots. And if you can't watch us live, set your DVR so that you can watch us later. That's tonight's CBS Evening News. Stay positive. Test negative. I'm Nora O'Donnell. See you tomorrow. It was the biggest scandal in pop music. The stars of Milli Vanilli, the Grammy-winning multi-platinum R&B phenomenon, were exposed as frauds. But none of this was their idea. So whose idea was it? Enter German music producer Frank Farian. He saw the success of acts like Michael Jackson and Prince, and he wanted in, no matter the cost. So he devised the perfect pop heist. Two once-in-a-lifetime talents who were charismatic, full of sex appeal, and phenomenal dancers. The only problem? They couldn't sing. But Frank knew just how to fix that. Wondery's new podcast, Blame It on the Fame, dives into one of pop music's greatest controversies and takes a never-before-heard look at the exploitation of two young Black artists. Millie Vanilli set the world on fire, but when the truth came out, Rob and Fab were the only ones who got burned. Looking back now, it's hard not to wonder, why did everyone blame them? and not the man pulling the strings. Follow Blame It on the Fame, Millie Vanilli, on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can binge all episodes of Blame It on the Fame early and ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus. If you enjoy tuning in to the CBS Evening News, there are official t-shirts, hats, mugs, and more available for purchase at ParamountShop.com. These products are perfect for any fan of Evening News, and you can take 20% off with code EVENING20. That's 20% off all CBS Evening News products with code EVENING20 at ParamountShop.com.